All righty, all right, all right. Welcome, welcome everybody to our latest podcast. Uh, we are the Mots, and this is Health Talk with the Mots, where we talk a little bit about anything healthy for uh, everybody, right? For the mind, uh, whole body, and spirit as well. So let's uh, continue with our latest topic. So Dana and I have been very, very excited because we've been talking about this book by Gretchen Rubin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's entitled The Four Tendencies. And I know it's not a new book. It's been around for a while, um, but it's come up more recently and more frequently in some of the discussions we've been having within our business, right? Um, so I, t- I took some time to go back in, and both of us actually have, to start reading it. And and let me ask you first, what are your thoughts on the, the book so far from what you've read? I think it's incredibly um, insightful and helpful. Um, I do think it's so, so important, um, just personality-wise in general, to understand yourself and um, also understand the people around you um, to be able to better communicate. Yeah, that, that's the feeling I had. Like, as I was reading, uh, and, and I don't know if we'll get to talking about my tendency, but like as I'm like reading and listening to the book and hearing them talk about how, what my tendency is, like, I'm literally nodding my head the entire time. I'm like, this is so me. Yeah, I feel the same way. So and the funny thing is I was at work. So I, you know, I had my headphones in and people are looking at me like, why does he keep nodding his head and no one is talking to him? But I was listening to the book and every time she said something in the book um, that resonated with me and my personality, I'm like, yep, that's 100% me. That's probably why I react that way. <laughs> so let's briefly, first of all, talk about what the four tendencies are. In this particular podcast, we're going to hone in on just one of those tendencies, right? Yep. So um, I'll allow you, go ahead. What do you want to describe as what the four tendencies are? I mean, it's essentially how we respond to expectations, right? Right. So um, how you respond to inner expectations and outer expectations. Um, So the four tendencies include the upholder, the questioner, the rebel, and the obliger. And just to give you some examples. So when we say like, inner expectations and outer expectations. So a good example of that is is like making and going to a doctor's appointment or, um, I don't know, answering a request from a friend or fulfilling that, whereas an inner expectation is something like committing to going to the gym or saying I'm going to go running every single day or I want to learn the guitar or the piano so I'm going to practice every day. It's something that not everyone um, necessarily sees from an outside perspective, but an expectation we put on ourselves to try to accomplish, right? So um, it, it's very interesting to think about that because in the world that we live, in the life that we live, we all have situations where we have those inner and outer expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you already mentioned the four tendencies. So you mentioned the upholder, mm-hmm. right? There's three other tendencies. There is the questioner, which is me all day. Um, there is the obliger, and there is the rebel. So something very interesting to note, um, because we're going to talk more about the upholder today, is um, the good majority of people are actually uh, obligers, mm-hmm. followed very closely by questioners, and then rebels and upholders are a very small percentage of people. So. As we describe some of these things, maybe you'll be nodding your head in agreement and saying, yes, this is totally me. Um, but yeah, let's start with talking about the upholder. Um, 
so do you remember anything that stuck out as to like what is the the key tendencies of an upholder well an upholder is going to respond to both outer and inner expectations um i it was interesting because uh, Gretchen Rubin, the author of The Four Tendencies, actually is an upholder. Um, and with this particular tendency, generally they are the, um, they don't break the rules. Um, she has said something like, you know, basically do what's right, even if you're called up tight. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and so, I don't know, maybe it's, I got some of the things that she was saying, like, because one of the other things that the book mentions, you're not just like grouped in one category. You can lean towards one of the adjacent categories. So, you know, as an upholder, which is sits at the top, uh, you could also lean towards a questioner or an obliger, right? Um, so as a questioner, I do sometimes have some upholder tendencies, but they're in very specific scenarios, right? Um, so what... As you were reading, what made you say like, okay, like I know I'm an I'm an upholder. Well, um, so I I do think that so I when I tested I tested for an obliger, um, but I do as I'm reading the book I'm like no 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 I think upholder more sounds like me, um, so I'm more than likely I would say an obliger that leans to an upholder or an upholder that leans to an obliger. I totally feel like you're an upholder that. <laughs> we were just talking about that. I totally feel like you're an upholder person for us. Yeah. So the funny thing is, like, so I had to look back at some examples of myself. Um, and one example that like really stuck with me is at a particular previous job that I had where um there would be many times when our manager was not there, there would be certain rules and stipulations that even when she wasn't there, I would still follow those rules because that is the rule. Like you're not supposed to bring your cell phone on the sales floor and you're not supposed to get your makeup done unless you've gotten permission first. Like to me, those were the rules. So you follow the rules. Um, I also thought it was pretty interesting because in the book, like she had mentioned, like if you go to like a pool or you see something where it's like posted rules, like you actually read the rules. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I do remember her talking about that. <laughs> and that's actually pretty interesting. That's so me. Like I, I literally I like I get on the plane and that whole card that they're like, oh, with the floating devices and all that. Like I literally read it. Though when when Delta is playing that whole video, like I'm watching the video. Like okay, where where are the exits? And uh, let like, me make sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, it's needless to say. I mean, an upholder may not necessarily be extremely detail oriented, but they need those guiding set of rules right mm -hmm. you know and i found though too like wh where it got really interesting to me when it translates to business i found it very interesting because of course we work a business that is a people regulated business right so the reality is we are independent distributors so while we work as a team with fellow people in our business each person is responsible for their own company so i realized like oh my goodness like I'm starting to understand because for me, I'm like, we have team calls every, every Sunday at 8.30. I don't understand why I need to send a reminder that we have a team call every Sunday at 8.30. This, this is what it's been since all of these people have been in the business. So why would I need to send a reminder? Mm -hmm. Or if I tell you that like, this is 
our schedule of the classes, I feel like I should be able to send it in a Google Doc and that's it. Like, why would I need to send you a reminder? Why would I need to, like, this is what the rules are. <laughs> like, this is what it is. So like, I shouldn't have to remind you. I shouldn't have to micromanage or anything like that. She gives an example in the book where um, a, an obliger asked the question, like, how do I take my vitamins, you know, or whatnot? And the upholder was like, or she was like, how do I take my vitamins if I don't have anyone, you know, telling me to take telling my vitamins? To take my vitamins? Yeah. And the upholder is like, grow up. <laughs> like, why do you need someone to tell you, you know, to take your vitamins? And it like just made me chuckle because I just felt the same. Like, I'm like, like, I don't need anybody to tell me to take my Ninja Red every day. Mm-hmm. I don't need anybody to tell me to take, give my kids their vitamins. Like, this is our, this is what we do. You know, so so here's the interesting thing. We were just talking about this before we, we started this podcast, right? And I one of the things I told you is I said, I definitely feel like in certain aspects, you are an upholder first. So when it comes to, like, your career or uh, your spiritual career, like, those upholder tendencies take the forefront but probably in life like outside of those things you are definitely more of your obliger tendencies so it's just funny that that you say because like i'm sitting here i'm not in my head i'm like yep in agreement on certain things so when it comes to uh and, and i think that's probably where we cross over and we can come to agreement on on the way that we feel about certain things because i do from time to time lean towards upholder mm-hmm. um so it, it was very interesting because it, it made me think about oh, what was the thought that she said, um, like when you're dealing with an upholder and how an upholder might seem like they're, uh, how did she phrase it, where they're, not the tattletale, but, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't think so. So I mean, I mean, pretty much like they're the rule keeper. They're the person that's like, no, you're not supposed to do that or no, you're not supposed to do yeah. this. And they constantly remind you because for the upholder the upholder is like this is the standard and this is what we're supposed to do whether that outer expectation is there or not mm-hmm. you know so i do think that was very very interesting um i think one of the other uh points that i was thinking about was when she talked about how to deal with a person who has an upholder tendency so the interesting point to me is when it comes to expectations so like as a as a questioner first um if someone tells me that they're going to do something i don't take it as law because a questioner says okay i need to do the research i need to have sound reason why i should believe you or why i should act on a b and c so the upholder though they take everything as law the upholders so if a person says like hey um let's go out to dinner on Friday uh, or no, no, even better. Cause I know that I'm guilty of this sometimes. Hey, I'm thinking I want to go out to dinner on Friday and I'd like to go out to dinner with you. So I've already scheduled it. Right. <laughs> and that was the, that was the interesting thing to me about an upholder because I know I do this to you all the time. So for those who don't know, like Dana can le- legitimately ask me a question. And so example, so our podcast that we're hosting tonight, when do you want to do the podcast? Uh, I don't know. I'm thinking Thursday. Um, but in my head, I'm like, that's tentative. I'm throwing that out there because I also need to make sure that there's nothing else going on and that we're going to have time and the equipment and everything's going to be set up to go. So in my head, it's tentative. 
But when I say I'm thinking Thursday, what did you hear? We're having the podcast on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So so what happened um, a couple months ago when I was like, yeah, I'm thinking we're going to record on Tuesday. And you came upstairs and I was in the bed. I was like, you need to come downstairs because we're recording, we're recording the podcast. Yeah. It's Tuesday. And, and I looked at you like you were stone cold crazy. <laughs> I'm like, wait, like, what are you talking about? You know, you're like, you said we're going to record on Tuesday. I said, no, I was thinking we might <laughs> record on Tuesday. Um, but as the upholder, that expectation is already set. Right. And so I, I will say this and where I could kind of see myself too. You have to be careful, especially like, let's say you have an upholder child and you make certain or say certain things that they're expecting and you don't keep it for them. Like that's devastating. It's like, oh my goodness, you lied to me. Like you didn't keep your word. Like it's devastating, you know? And so I can see myself in that too, where like for me in certain relationships, it's like, no, 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 this is what you said was going to happen. So like, this is what has to happen. Like we if we say something's going to happen, it, it has to get done. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to say something else? So the, so the other side of that that was very, very interesting to me, too, is when you set an expectation for an upholder, um, you have to be very careful, especially when it comes to children, right? Because um, one of the things that Gretchen mentions in the book is, let's say that your child is very good at singing. Like, like we know that that Ayla loves to sing. She's very talented for an eight-year-old. Um, if she were an upholder, which we determined she's probably not, right? <laughs> but if she were an upholder and I said something like, Ayla, you're so good at singing, you should totally go and pursue a music career. That, in her head, if she were an upholder, would set the standard that, okay, my parents want me to be a you know music artist or pursue something in music, so that's what I have to do. So one of the things that, from that aspect, I was thinking like, wow, that's really, really interesting because sometimes as parents, we set those expectations for our children all the time, not necessarily thinking about what their tendency is, you Mm -hmm. know, because this was semi-new information for us, right? And so if she were an upholder, it mentioned that sometimes it can put unrealistic strain or stress or expectations on a person, whether they realize it or not. Mm-hmm. So, and the same thing applied to relationships, you know, so with your spouse, um, you know, maybe your spouse has a talent or you're looking to get certain things out of your spouse, just be very careful about the expectation that you set because it's not necessarily that it's wrong to have certain standards or certain needs that you may need, but to set an expectation that they're going to take as gospel that may not may or may not you know be beneficial for them as well or be that important you really have to be careful mm-hmm. so I thought that was really really interesting yeah I thought it was, um also uh in the book uh she talks a little bit about with an upholder sometimes they can come off aloof or rude um again because for them it's like if we had a deadline or if we had a certain time and you're still talking to me <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but something starts at 10. So like, we got to wrap this up and I have to go like, so to, you know, something to be aware of and mindful of is um, sometimes you can lean so much to setting the rules that it actually comes off rude or aloof to reality for other people. 
Yeah, and and I can see that. But I'm in 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 the way that we're talking about this, there's one of the things that we had to understand from the beginning is one tendency is not better than the other, right? Right. So just like we're talking about, you know, some of the the upsides and the downsides on the holder, every tendency has strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So the the strength of an upholder is that they're very, you know, self-motivated, so to speak, right? And they are the rule makers. They're going to make sure that things happen in an organized fashion. And they also have weaknesses as well. I mean, being the, the smaller percentage of individuals, they're definitely going to butt heads with a lot of people because they're not going to be in agreement, right? So what do you think is a way to manage that, you know, to, to balance out as an upholder uh, the strengths and weaknesses of that? Does that question kind of make sense? So she's shaking her head no. Um, So I guess what I'm trying to get across is, as because you display more upholder tendencies than I do, Um, and I definitely feel like you have to strike a balance so that um, you won't be just the hated individual that's always imposing the rules, right? You follow me so far? Mm -hmm. So. If every tendency, like, from your perspective, how do you foresee being able to uphold the rules and be self-motivated as a strength for you? I mean, I don't know necessarily as a strength, but I will say, like, one thing that was mentioned is for, like, an upholder in general, like, they don't necessarily impose the same um, reaction on other people. So she kind of used the example of her daughters where it's like, I know my kids should be more polite. I know my kids should make up their bed. But while we hold ourselves to these standards and tendencies, that doesn't mean that we necessarily just force that upon other people. And again, that goes back to where for me, I'm like, I don't understand why like I would need to remind people of stuff like because like this is just how the system is. So I don't really think that it necessarily will come off always in a way that is going to harm other people because I'm not imposing it upon you. I just know for me, like, or for example, when I worked at the one company, it's like, I'm not going to necessarily tell on you because you're using your cell phone on the floor, but I'm not going to do it. Like, it doesn't matter what all the people around me are doing. I'm still going to uphold it for me. Wow. That's really, really interesting. And, And so... I don't know. I feel like this information, it does make you become more self-aware mm-hmm. to your tendencies. And and you have the ability to, to display the other tendencies as well. Um, your example just made me think of uh, an experience that I had today and how I know that there is some upholderness within me. Um, but I, I definitely think that the I can tell it's not my primary tendency because of the way that I handled it. So... You and I, we've been together 12 years. We've been married uh, 11 years. I can pretty much gauge how you're going to respond to a situation, especially more so now that I know that all along, this is you displaying an upholder tendency. So uh, earlier today, the other uh, employees wanted to take an afternoon break. And it sits in this uh, morally gray area. Um, But there was a standard that was set earlier in the day like these things needed to get done today so you know the other guys from work they're like we're gonna go take a smoke break 
even though we leave and go home in a half hour, uh, the official, unofficial break time in the afternoon is 2.30. It's now 3.25. So we've essentially missed that break. And at this point, I'm like, okay, so we're just, we're not going to take that break. We're going to continue to work through so we can make sure that the expectation that was set gets met, right? So it's very interesting because everybody else still went on break at 3.25, even though we clean up at 3.45. They took a 20-minute break. And for some reason, I could not bring myself to walk away. I still, like, I, I tried to do, like, the halfway in between where I'm like, oh, well, maybe I'm going to sit down for five minutes and check my email or something like that. And I felt so uncomfortable in that <laughs> moment that I'm like, no, like, this is not the break time right now. Like, this is, even though, like, we passed our break time mm -hmm. and we're still entitled to have this afternoon break, this is not our break time. So I can't sit down. Like, I have to keep on working. And everybody is looking at me and I'm making them nervous and, <laughs> and anxious because I'm the only person that's working while they're sitting down. Right. So from that aspect, uh, I guess they're thinking like, how does this look if the boss walks in and we're sitting down on our cell phones and, you know, eating a sandwich, drinking water, whatever. And the one guy is still working, Right. you know? So it made me think of what it's like for an individual who may not understand or lean towards an upholder tendency at all to just be in the atmosphere or be surrounded by one who is yeah. like because I could tell for them like there was some type of guilt being imposed mm -hmm. because of the simple fact that in that moment I'm like I gotta fulfill this expectation yeah. now it's interesting too because as an upholder a lot of upholders do really well being self-employed um, because they are very scheduled, they're structured, and because they meet inner and outer expectations, a lot of times, depending on the type of employer that they have, like for them, it's like, well, I don't need to be micromanaged because once you've shown me the system and I understand how to do it, I don't need to be reminded, keep doing this, keep doing this, now do this, now do this. And I know for me, that's where I fell into a problem working for people. Um, even now, you know, I don't do well working for other people, having an employer, because it's the micromanaging part that bothers me. Again, I love learning. I love being educated and understanding what my job is. But once I get it, then I'm like, I don't need you to every two seconds tell me like exactly what to do. So it's interesting, too, because while um, all the tendencies can obviously do any job um, as an upholder with my personality, like I tend to actually not do as well with managers or bosses that like to micromanage things. Yeah, and I can see that. And you hit on an interesting point um, that even though you have the tendency, your personality augments it yeah. as well, you know, so. Keep in mind that when we're talking about a person who may be an upholder, maybe they have these other tendencies or personality traits that augment that um, that tendency. So it may not show up as easily or as readily as you might think. Or I know that there's people that are probably going to listen to this podcast, like as we're, you know, displaying or telling about these tendencies, and they're like, "Oh no, no, they're they're totally not like that," you know. But your personality augments that, you know. Um, so I do think that's very, very interesting, but, you know, you do hit on a good point. You know, sometimes like we live in 
a time in a space where people want to be entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And so maybe you are an upholder and you've never thought about going into business and working for yourself. I mean, it's kind of reassuring to think that a person who has that upholder tendency, I mean, not saying that you have a, I'm going to say, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say that I feel like you probably have a leg up on some of the other tendencies when it comes to that space, because you're going to be able to accomplish what needs to be accomplished, whether you have the outer expectations or not, you know? So I, I do think that's interesting. And I, I do think that's important um, because she did talk about some of the careers that people go into who are upholders. So obviously law enforcement. Um, was one of them. I think she said she used to be a lawyer, mm -hmm. right? Um, rule maker. So anyone that, that may enforce the rules. And it's not just saying that, you know. But she also mentioned for her, it was just as easy to do the blog. It was just as easy for her to do the book. And she's like, it. She's like, when I first wrote my two, two books, like, and people would write me and I, I would have these routines and how I, you know, basically found happiness through um, committing myself to certain routines and people will write her and be like, but how did you stick to it? She's like, I don't understand this question. Like, what do you mean how? I'm trying to be happy. This is the way to happiness. So I did it. Like, she could not understand it. Or in the beginning of the book, when she's sitting down with her friend, who's like, yeah, I don't know why I can't make myself get up and go running. I, You know, when I did it for a track team, like, because other people were relying on me, I didn't have a problem doing it. But now when I have to do it for myself, I can't do it. And she's like, I don't get it. Like, because as an upholder, it's like, what do you mean? Like, if you want to do something, why would you need someone else to push you in order to do it? Write the book, you know, write the blog, schedule yourself in this. Like, you are your employee. Like, why does anybody else have to tell you to do it? One plus one is two. Right. I mean, essentially, it's it doesn't matter how you get there or why that works out. It's just like, okay, this needs to get done, so we do it. Yep. You know? and, and, and that makes sense. So before we get to wrapping up this, I, I just want to ask you a personal question. So how has learning more about this tendency, has it impacted you in any way where you're like, okay, like now that I understand that I respond in these certain situations, there are certain things that I may or may not want to change or... How has that affected you at all? Having that information? I don't know that there's certain things that I would say that I want to personally change, but I feel like in my communication with others, it has helped me to readily see how I want to make changes. Because again, I feel like when we look at the world through the lens of our own eyes, then we want to treat everybody the way we see things. Whereas understanding that, wait a minute, the way I see things isn't the way that the majority of people see things, then helps me to prospectively say, hey, let me step back and see a better way to communicate this or see a better way to help other people. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Okay, so I know this might seem kind of random, but I, just to kind of hit on that point. So remember I was asking you about my socks that day that I had on like a red pair of socks and they appeared to be red to me and someone said, no, they're pink. And I'm looking back and forth and I'm like, this person has some color issues because the <laughs> socks are, are clearly red. They're not pink. Why would I wear pink socks with a red tie? Mm -hmm. You know, it just it doesn't make sense. But that kind of hits on the point. I mean, that's how people live their life. You know, so here I am. I'm looking at these red socks like these, this is red. That's a fact. 
everyone can clearly see that this is red. Mm-hmm. But that one person that's like, no, they're pink. Like, what are you talking about? So how do we now come to an agreement on certain things? So it makes me think about even in the book when it talks about dealing with coworkers and bosses, uh, how an upholder does that. Because like you mentioned, you're going to see things totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the draws from understanding your tendency and the tendencies of other people in your life, so whether it's your family, your friends, your coworkers, is that way you can understand how to interact and deal with them. Mm-hmm. So the example was given, and even when we went to a convention, and um, who was it that taught the poor tendency class when we were down there? Vanessa Romero. Yeah. So Vanessa Romero taught that class, and uh, she uses the example of changing the light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> right? So how do you get an upholder to change the light bulb? We asked them. They already did it. Yeah, they already did it. <laughs> they recognized that the light bulb needs to be changed. It's already done. <laughs> so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, for the rebel, it was, uh, do you feel like changing the light bulb? No, for the rebel, it's like they're not going to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the questioner, it was, the light bulb needs to be changed because of A, B, or C. Can you do that? And then I think for the obliger, just ask them. Yeah, just ask them and say, "I need some help changing the light bulb. Can you do that?" So I, I, I want to continue to dive into this. Maybe we'll continue with our other podcasts. I don't know if we're going to be right in succession, but let's certainly dive in. I, I can't wait to talk about the questioner because for me, it answers so many <laughs> questions, like and so many questions about my personality. Even when I, I text you and. Uh, for years, you're like, yeah, I think you're you're slightly a rebel, and so much to to the point where I started to believe it. But I'm like, oh no, hands down, I'm more a questioner, and it comes off as rebellious, but it's all calculated. So <laughs> I do want to get around to talking about that. Maybe we'll talk about that one in our next podcast. Um, but we're gonna go ahead and end it there. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Until then, take care. Bye. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. We appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right.